Yeah, so there was a moment in which I kind of, I think, I think I cried at school, which crying at school, love it. It's kind of a nice feeling. <laughs> Welcome to Setback Stories. I'm Chelsea, your host, here today to bring you on an adventure full of lessons and stories about me, my guests, and the times we've had to move backwards before moving forwards. So whether you're exercising, commuting to work, or have some free time, we hope you enjoy the episode. Hi everyone! Before we start episode number two, I wanted to share a quick comment regarding episode number one. In the My Major Setback Story episode, I mentioned that I worked with my school physio pre-op and post-op for my ACL reconstruction, and her name is Winta. After releasing the episode, Winta reached out to me and admitted that it brought back all the feels for her that she was experiencing at the time being my physio. More importantly, Winta has learned a lot from my journey and has helped identify many, many torn ACLs ever since. I was so happy to hear from Winta because it got me thinking about my journey, but from a clinician's perspective. It has made me realize that A, injury recovery can be emotionally difficult, not just for the patient, but also the clinician. And B, injury recovery can offer both the patient and the clinician opportunities for growth. As Winda has demonstrated so well, she has been more determined than ever to catch ACL tears since working with me, and she has caught a bunch. Winta, I'm super proud of you and so happy to have worked with you. On a relevant note, I'd also like to mention a little disclaimer that I wish I had included. While I was bouncing around from healthcare to healthcare practitioners with misdiagnoses along the way, I am forever grateful for each and every one of them. I've never held resentment to anyone despite the misdiagnoses because at the end of the day, Access to healthcare is a privilege in itself, and all the physios and doctors I worked with had the intention of helping me, and I couldn't ask for more. Winta is writing up a post about me and my story, so be sure to check it out on her Instagram, at WintaDThePT. Be sure to follow her for content that's related to pediatric, sports, and orthopedic physio. Okay, now let's carry on with today's episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Setback Stories. I am really excited today because I'm going to be having my first ever guest on this season. It is my dear friend from UBC. Her name is Kathy Ju. Hi, Kathy. Hello. Thanks for having me. How's it going? It's going well. Thank you it's for coming well. on the show. No, I'm really excited. I am you've awesome. been talking. Oh, sorry. <laughs> No, no, go, go. Oh, no, no, you you brought it up over the summer. And I'm, I'm glad that you're finally like doing this. Yeah, me too. It's like taking a really long time. Honestly, if it weren't for my friends pushing me to do it, this probably wouldn't have existed. That's okay. We love social support. Oh, speaking of social support, um, <laughs> today's topic is actually going to be about finding your support system when we ourselves are experiencing a setback story of our own, but also how do we provide support for others who are experiencing their own setback stories? Okay, so before we get into the topic of today's episode, Kathy, do you want to explain how we met? Yeah, technically we met in Bio 121, but like officially. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah but technically, did. yeah, we became like friends and wellness peers and Basically, Wellness Peers is a peer program at UBC, and so we're all tr- like trained student volunteers, and we have like proactive conversations with students regarding their well-being about really anything, like mm-hmm. basically about the student life, and we can help them refer and sort of get a like educate them on what's like available to them, or they or we get, or just like a listening ear. Wow, what a good elevator pitch! You're actually missing a very um, crucial component to the pitch, Kathy. What is it? The shop? Oh, that's that part we're not doing this year, so I kind of forgot about it. Oh, crap. Especially okay. in COVID times. We're still doing the sex, sexual education component. Oh, awesome. and, okay. But because yeah. the center isn't open, open, like in person, everything's postponed. So that's why I kind of forgot it. But my elevator pitch is basically the conversations, which we started right. offering like this week. Oh, yeah. How's that going? And to clarify for anyone listening, um, pre-COVID, as Kathy was saying, we'd be an ear for any students 
on campus and we would be able to give conversations in person in a physical space at the wellness center. But this year, because of COVID, things have changed. Kathy, do you want to explain those changes? Yeah. So basically, because everything's remote learning at the moment, the -hmm. actual center isn't open for students. So we've closed down like the shop, which is a shop for safer sex products Mm -hmm. that students can access. But we've started um, delivering online conversations through Zoom where students can either book appointments or like drop into the Zoom room where wellness peers are. How's that going? Have you had a conversation yet? Um, We just launched like a few weeks ago. So it's a slow progress, but it's good that people are starting to sort of know that we're available again. Yeah, I feel like um, it's hard for people to know that the wellness center is technically still open when the space is physically closed. But I think uh, everyone at the wellness center is doing a good job at like marketing it through Canvas and stuff. Um, so if a UBC student is listening to this, they can always enroll on the, it's called the wellness center online, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you haven't had a conversation yet? Nope. Not yet, but we're, but we're positive. Yeah. We've got high hopes. Heck yeah. Especially since like finals are coming up <laughs> real soon. Yes. Yes. Well, anyways, pre COVID, you definitely had a lot of experience with, uh, one-on-one conversations with students at UBC and that's actually why I figured that you were the perfect person to come on today's episode because with your experience of supporting peers and other like-minded students you're able to you know direct a conversation and equip students to specific resources that are tailored to their own needs so once again thank you for making the time to come here today I am really excited for you to share your wisdom especially since you have more wisdom than me since you're a two-timer this is your you still have the wisdom though shall we get on to the topic of today's episode yes sounds good okay so I think the first half this episode is kind of like split into two where the first half is how do we um, find our own support systems when we're going through a tough time? And my goal with this podcast, well, the name kind of gives it away, is to share setback stories, especially coming from the peers and the guests that I interview. So um, (laughs) to illustrate how we can best find support for ourselves when we're going through a difficult time, do you have a story that you would like to share where you've gone and overcome a setback and and how you how you've achieved that through finding support yeah um yeah I think when you first approached me the biggest thing that came up was kind of like everything that happened within the past like academic year because in the beginning of September there was that whole construction accident thing where (laughs) my (laughs) where the construction workers who my parents hired to replace the roof sort of placed a pallet of shingles on top of my roof and like right above my bedroom and then the roof couldn't handle it so it kind of caved in and so that that was like a six-month process of me being like displaced and not having a room and then along with all of the other typical like student stressors yeah yeah yeah. to paint a clearer picture Kathy sent me an image of her of the hole in her roof and you could literally see the blue sky through the yeah. hole it's like passing by so it was really bad um yeah yeah dude I'm really sorry that that happened to you I remember during like wellness peer training I'd ask how, how you've been and you're like oh just dealing with my roof problems and yeah I can't imagine going through something like that because having to move out from your humble abode must be stressful because that's something that I learned uh, moving to UBC and like trying to Mm -hmm. move in and move out that moving is really stressful and especially when it's like unforeseen and like during school year and stuff that must have been really I can't even imagine I would have been (laughs) frustrated yeah I think that from like the point of view from now it was also something that was like filled filled with like it was like good in the sense that nobody was hurt and whatnot and that I had like the privilege to be able to be for my insurance company to like to to rent out an apartment and whatnot where where 
it where those kind of support systems did ease sort of the support of like the kind of unforeseen circumstance of like, oh, I lost everything in my room. <laughs> right, right, right. But thankfully it, it was it, like it had silver linings. Oh, for sure. Do you yeah. want to elaborate what those silver linings were? Yeah. So I think that like it, I come from like, I do understand that there's so many privileges associated with like being having like insurance and whatnot and be, for the insurance company to like rent out an apartment that I stayed at for the time being when my bedroom was being replaced. And so it was like fully covered. It was just like the kind of the stress of moving things in a, in a moment where I was like, I did not expect this. I also did have the chance to sort of live on my own, which like for context, this is my parents' house. And so I had the, opportunity to live like basically downtown on my own which is something that I've always really wanted to experience and sort of to gain that independence which I did think that I gained despite all of the like unhealthy eating habits I had during that time because it was kind of stressful (laughs) stress eating yeah stress eating very much so and I lived like five minutes away from like four different bubble tea shops and like anyone who knows me will know that I (laughs) love my bubble tea (laughs) yeah you do yeah 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 yeah. so what I'm hearing is that one of the silver linings that you experience is that you've developed more gratitude for you know the privileges of your benefits and stuff yeah for sure for sure gratitude is always great I've actually um this summer started a gratitude journal because I hear that the research shows that practicing gratitude every day actually improves your happiness so I'm really glad that you're mindful yeah it's Every night I uh, have this like gratitude diary and I just like list three things that I'm grateful for every day. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's something that you want to pick up too, but yeah, either way. Friends too also do that. Yeah. It's definitely evidence backed, but either way, it's clear to me that you are practicing mindfulness and gratitude given like what you just said. And I'm also glad that you were able to practice independent independence by living alone. How was that since it since I assume that was your first time living alone in what 19 years of your life yeah it was kind of weird because it was in the it was like during a time in which I was in the same city so I could obviously come home and my parents would also like would also like ask me oh are you coming over dinner because sometimes I'd have stuff to do near home so it'd be more convenient to come home rather than go back downtown and so I think we also discussed this as well that that also was kind of a stressor in that although I was gaining those experiences of being by myself and learning to take care of myself in like a different sense, I, it was kind of like this weird place where it was like, Oh, okay. I'm not really living alone, but I am alone. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think if I remember correctly, um, you were saying that it was like living in between two, two places, your apartment and your, your parents' house was kind of consuming like a lot of your mental energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think that the biggest part that contributed to that was like the lack of feeling homey. Like, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. That makes because sense. when I was at like home where I am right now, I was on an air mattress in the living room <laughs> for like six <laughs> months. <laughs> and then the other oh, it was pretty comfy, but <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like a, it wasn't like something that was me because I find that my bedroom for myself is like my safe haven, you know? Right. Right. It's your private space. Then, yeah. Yeah. And like the apartment downtown was already furnished. So it was kind of like, it was like almost living in a hotel. Ooh. Yeah. It was, it was pretty fun in that sense too. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Perks. Perks. Yeah, exactly. Do you, do you miss living there now that you're home? I home? do. What do you yeah. miss about living there? I think I miss being in a place where it's relatively busy because now during the pandemic, everyone's at home and like the streets are so quiet where I live. It's kind of, it's kind of like reminiscent of like March times. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. 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 Like maybe you just miss pre-COVID because I definitely miss pre-COVID too. Honestly. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but I guess that's a good good thing that you're not living there anymore considering downtown is a mm-hmm. hub 
a social hub yeah. you want to stay away from people as much as possible so exactly yeah right there exactly All right. so um what are we talking about we're talking about finding support systems yes so since moving moving away from your house um unexpectedly during the middle of the school year took a toll on you mentally and physically because you had to bus between two places you had to literally move out you had to cope with being kicked out of your safe haven did you use any specific resources to you know um alleviate the stressors of having to pretty much evacuate yeah um I think I think I'm someone that really likes to confide in people sometimes sometimes (laughs) and so during during that time I really opened I I feel like I opened up more to some of my closest friends I would tell them what's going on because I remember sending a snapchat of like my room the day of like after I came home and then everyone's like what's going on and I was like (laughs) where are you um (laughs) I was like yeah this happened and so that kind of did open up leeways for them being like for them like for example some of my closest friends would always offer to like they would always be like, oh, let me know if you ever need anything. Or when I was like packing up like my clothes basically to move, they would always be like, oh, let me know if you need help moving or whatnot. Or let me know if you need like anything basically. Oh, I love that. That kind of reminds me of, you know me, I go on uh, the UBC subreddit a lot. Um, and I think a lot of people on there talk about how they don't know how they're going to move in between like their residences. And I know Mm -hmm. if I remember correctly, um, like some just fellow UBC students like say, Hey, Hey OP, if you need help moving out, like just DM me and help you. So I love the fact that not only that your closest friends are offering you support, but you know, within the UBC community itself, like strangers are there to help each other. And I feel like that's so beautiful because Moving is so stressful. I did not realize that until like I myself came to university. So I'm really glad that you had had that help. Yeah, I can't imagine moving across the country by myself though, because I literally only had to like haul my clothes like 20 minutes away. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I had help um when I moved from Toronto mm. to Vancouver. Um, when I was moving, I mentioned this in episode one that I haven't shown you yet, um, that when I moved to UBC, I was still in my ACL, um, like, post-op race. And my, oh, okay. I was, like, I think I was, like, eight weeks post-op, and I was able to walk and stuff without my crutches, but mm-hmm. uh, my strength was definitely not there. So what happened was that I flew to Vancouver with my friend Sarah, and she was able mm-hmm. to – her and her mom were, was able to, like – carry my luggage and like deliver it to my residence at UBC mm. and then my parents since they couldn't fly with me um on the day of move-in they came in like a week later carrying all my um heavy suitcases so <laughs> I definitely didn't do it alone I know people do do it alone and I honestly props yeah. them that takes a lot of energy out of them so yeah 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 mm-hmm. so you said your friends were definitely the top it sounds like they're the top resource that you, you utilized. Yeah. And I also think that having wellness peers was also like a nice community to be in because it was just like a, oh, yes. such a wholesome place. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. So every yeah. Tuesday we had, yeah, the Tuesday trainings. I Every week you would update everyone about your roof situation. <laughs> and every time you mentioned it, you kind of like, you like laughed every time you said it so then I perceived it as like not so serious but once we had like this the prep call for this episode I didn't realize how serious Mm -hmm. it actually was yeah I think that I think that for me in the moment it seemed like oh okay this is so weird like what happens okay (laughs) and so I definitely do use humor in that like sort of in that scenario of like initial kind of shock and so I think that, like, the part with this, I think I also mentioned it during our call, because it was kind of like, like, I'm someone that doesn't really take time to reflect, like, daily. I never really, like, it sounds meh, but (laughs) I, I, like, have time, I feel like I have time at the end of long periods, at at the end of, like, a semester to reflect. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, in the moment, 
I kind of was using humor to sort of deflect like what stress, what stressors I wasn't aware of in the moment, but onwards I came to recognize that. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, I can't blame you for not being able to reflect on the daily. Like, I don't think I, like when I was in school, I don't think I took the time to, you know, meditate and process what I was thinking, especially since how university culture is so go, go, go and so hectic. Plus, you're you're also a commuter student too, so mm-hmm. that's valid. Sometimes bus rides were very reflective. <laughs> oh, true. That's a productive yeah. way to use your um, commute time. Yeah, or you just sit on the bus and you look out the rainy window and you pretend you're in a music video. <laughs> Yo, I do that all the time. <laughs> exactly. How long were your bus rides to your apartment and then? to your um, house from UBC? From my house, it usually takes like an hour 15 when it's busy, like pre-COVID. Oof. One way. And then, yeah, one way. And then um, from downtown to UBC, it would be around like 40. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's still a long time. So. <laughs> it sounded like um, when you were saying that you didn't, take time to process like or to you didn't take time to do daily reflections um eventually like your stressors kind of like caught up to you did you ever find a point during the school year where you hit a wall and you were like okay I I need to change something about my attitude towards the situation at home um I think that in the beginning when I was feeling like when I didn't know that stress was getting to me, it was kind of when I like found myself being affected in sort of my extracurriculars, like in wellness peers, because it was kind of like, it was a time where I was like, okay, I don't know what I'm doing, but we'll see. (laughs) And so there was a moment in which I kind of, I think, I think I cried at school, which crying at school, love it. It's kind of a nice feeling. (laughs) I'll say it is, like afterwards. Exactly, yeah. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, no. I I think I cried at school in the center because I was just overwhelmed and I was like, oh, okay, I have to move, but then I have training and then I have work. Yeah. Did you cry to someone specifically or were you just like in in the corner? Just Oh, I cried to our supervisor so our supervisor within the whole program itself it's very much like it's very much emphasizing taking care of your own well-being before you take care of others oh the triangle and so, oh wait <laughs> triangle yeah it is a triangle yes it is a triangle okay yeah, yeah. so so the triangle that chelsea's referring to is something that we use i guess in, I, I don't know if this is like a general Thing or whatnot but it's sort of a triangle of like like your well-being is first and then it's academics and then it's your volunteering mm-hmm. sort of a priority triangle to mm-hmm. sort of let you prioritize what you need to focus on or what's more crucial yeah and it makes a lot of sense because if you're not taking care of your own well-being how are you going to be able to provide support to students in the wellness center exactly so I'm assuming, I mean, I already know what our supervisor's <laughs> response was um, because she was so empathetic and caring and teaches us to be caring and empathetic and prioritize. Yeah. I, she let you off the hook for, she, yes. she allowed you yes. to miss training. Yeah. So basically, well, basically I missed one training because I had to move out like the day before. And then I also talked to our TLs, which were in teams before. It's a whole thing. What's TL? Team leaders. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No worries. And so so I did open up the sort of conversation of being like, oh, I'm in this really stressful situation now. So that's why you might see me sort of deviate from how I normally am. Mm. And you said that to the TLs? or to Yeah. Yeah, oh, or t- to both. <laughs> yes, we love that vulnerability and openness. Mm-hmm. Throw back to the SLC. <laughs> What's the SLC? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so um, this, the SLC stands for uh, the Student Leadership Conference, and it's this 
conference that UBC students run every year. And when I was a wellness peer, I was on the workshops team and we did a presentation or a workshop on the importance of what was it? What was it called? Something about um, open, how openness and like vulnerability is so crucial to teamwork. And I think that's what you exemplified perfectly. Why are you laughing? No, I'm serious. <laughs> like, it's awesome that you were able to say like, hey, all I may not seem like the usual Kathy today. And it's because of this. And therefore, they're able to attend to your needs and accommodate to your needs during training. That's awesome. Yeah. So... I loved how not only did you reach out to your friends for your whole roof situation, but you reached out to them through social media. You you said that you like took a picture of the hole in your roof and like sent it out as a Snapchat, right? Or you put it in your story or something? Um, yeah. So I sent them as my streaks because that day I was like, oh, this is exciting. And like every other day I have nothing for streaks. So I was like, okay, here we go. No, I have not heard the word streaks in so long. <laughs> Just I know. Using Snapchat. Like, the yeah. what? Wait, pardon? I stopped, I stopped using Snapchat a year ago. So. Oh okay okay. It's not that fun. Are you are you still using it? I do. Because sometimes Girl. it's like the only platform that I t- use to like speak to high school friends that I don't really speak to. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. That's awesome that you're yeah. deliberately using an app that's kind of dying to making your old high school friends. Anyways, on the topic of social media and support, I actually had a similar, somewhat similar situation of seeking support through my own setback story. As you're very aware, Kathy, I tore my I tore my ACL a few years ago. And that time was was a rough time. But mm. I really was able to get through moments of loss of my sport, um, mm-hmm. loss of social s- opportunities through like team bonding and like meeting new friends at UBC, like via intramurals. Um, and it was through Instagram, actually, not Snapchat, but Instagram. And I think I've shown you my account. at. I ACL. follow it. Thank you. I haven't posted <laughs> in half a year, so that says a lot. But what kind of distinguishes my way of, si- of finding support versus your way of finding support through social media was that I kind of found support from strangers, whereas you found support from um, your closest mm-hmm. friends. Um, and when I say strangers, I pretty much like, oh, I should probably explain what at ACL.RCVRY is. <laughs> mentioned it in like episode one but I'll just reiterate it again so pretty much um when I tore my ACL and um while I was like doing prehab and like prepping for surgery I decided to document my recovery because I knew that it was going to be probably about a year or more and I really wanted to you know share my milestones um and reflect back on all the hard work I've done and recovery accounts are like pretty common I'm sure they exist for other things besides just like ACL mm-hmm. tears of course um so then I just kept on following you know people like me who were also documenting their ACL tears and through that I was able to physically see people you know keeping up with their rehab and like I think I like I don't know talked to over like a hundred people at least 100 people, like, through my DMs from all around the world um, because everyone was, was just trying to, you know, find people who understand what they were going through and ask yeah. about the rehab process. And that kind of reminds me about wellness peers again because one thing that um, our supervisor mentioned is that one pro about walking into the wellness center and opening up to a wellness period who you've never met before is that even though it sounds kind of scary because like you don't know them it also sounds it also it sorry I don't know what to say do you know what I'm trying to say are you talking about how like opening up to someone that you don't know can be comforting but there's also research about peer support and someone who can somewhat empathize with their experiences 
Oh, I wasn't even trying to say that, but well, oh. I was trying to say the first half, but not the, the latter. And and I think that's awesome that you mentioned that. Um, yeah. yeah, so what I'm trying to say is that it's kind of funny how I like, I, like opened up to these strangers on the internet around the world. Um, because I feel like it's so much easier to like talk to a friend who to your closest friends just because like they know your whole life story and stuff and I definitely did do that but like you said the research shows that when you open up to someone on that peer level someone who knows that you're going who knows what you're going through whether it be like the hardships of student of university student life or like an ACL tear um that in itself just like reinforces the whole notion of like feeling supported so thank you for reminding me of that i guess that's why wellness peers is called wellness peers you mentioned that you talked to hundreds of people did you end up making like any friends through it or like people that you sort of talked to on a regular about sort of your acl pair yeah so to answer your question i don't think i fully developed um that depth of a connection to the point where i can call someone a friend but i think i mm-hmm. Um, I've acquired acquaintances through, or I think I've like fortified um, a relationship through like people I knew in the ultimate community. And one example of that was, so when I tore my ACL, I was on this club team. It was, let's say the A team. And there was this girl on the B team and she was a few years younger than me. And usually Everyone on the, on the B team aspires to be on the A team. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's why she, somehow she found my account. It was probably because we were connected on our personal social media accounts. And she knew that I was on the A team. Um, and she actually DM'd me through my ACL recovery account and was like, Hi, my name is Blank. Um, I was on the B team. And I actually tore my ACL and, spray, and sprayed my MCL. Um, this year and I was wondering if you wanted to just if I don't know to exchange I don't know stories and like so that I could have something to uh, relate to and I was so happy to have gotten that message because I that was totally like my goal with the account to like be a, not only seek support but also to provide support um, mm-hmm. in return and there was another girl who was who um, played on the A team the year I was sidelined because I got surgery that summer, and she, I I recommended to her to create um, a recovery account. And this summer, before my concussion, I tried to hype her hype her up as much as I could through <laughs> her recovery account and stuff. So um, I wouldn't say that I made friends, but I got to know people I got to know my acquaintances in the ultimate community a little bit better so Mm -hmm. yeah so Kathy I know we've talked a lot about relying on our friends for support or strangers on the internet (laughs) and I'm wondering if there were any other types of support you reached out to whether it was during your hole in the roof situation or (laughs) another type of setback yeah Okay, first off, thanks for sharing about your ACL.RCVRY. Is that how you spell it? About <laughs> the uh, uh, vowels, yes. Oh, yes, yes. But no, I, th- I think that's great because it seems like you've built up like a community that you can sort of go to when regarding ACL tears. Because I know that not everyone's, obviously not everyone's gone through it. So it must be like a very nice feeling. Oh, thank you. Well, thank we you for that. following me. <laughs> We love that. We love that. Of course. So going back to your question, I, yeah. So in addition to the roof, this is in the second semester. So like January, my roof was still not finished. And so my grandpa's health was like deteriorating. He's also, he was 102 at the time. And so his health was declining and we sort of knew that he was going to pass eventually. We just didn't know when. And so during that time in the first semester, like January to February, it was, I was still like living in between the two places and I was still doing five courses. I had like volunteering and work and whatnot. And in addition, I, I tried my best to sort of incorporate like family time to see him and whatnot, but I, 
and never really knew that it was going to happen. And so earlier in the term, I filed a self-declaration concession form that that was gone through like arts advising. So like in addition, just to create contact with an advisor, because I knew that I might have needed like later concessions, even though like just just being proactive about potential like actions that could happen later on. And so, yeah, I think that was one form of that was so helpful because it was like, even though I didn't need it necessarily, I knew that it was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And how was your experience with arts advising? Because I know sometimes there, there are horror stories when it comes to like faculty advising. So how is that for you? Yeah, I think that I think that the thing I think that it was good in the sense that I sort of created a contact earlier because I I knew it was going to happen eventually. I, mm-hmm. I actually didn't end up I only filed like concessions for like a few participation marks, not for any exams and whatnot, mm. because I tried to just rough it out. <laughs> yeah, but, but my advisor was very empathetic. He, they were always like, "Oh yeah, keep me in the loop, keep me updated, send me an mm-hmm. email when you need like concessions and whatnot." Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just found it very helpful because it was like, okay, I know I knew that there was a fallback. Yeah, yeah, like a safety net. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, honestly, good on you for being proactive. And like it, especially since like not knowing at the time when your grandpa um, was going to pass away, that must have been hard already to cope with the uncertainty. But I'm sure like knowing that you have something to fall back on alleviated some of that uncertainty or not alleviated the uncertainty, but I guess reassured you knowing that when and if it does happen or does happen um you'll be supported yeah yeah basically yeah yeah do you think was that your first experience with arts advising um it was my first time reaching out to arts advising for concessions but not advising advising right right and I guess you've illustrated a good thing that arts advising does a lot of things Mm-hmm. And can provide a multitude of services that oftentimes students don't really know about. So I, that leads me to my next question. How did you first learn about arts advising? Did wellness peers inform you about their services? Um, no, because <laughs> because all throughout Jumpstart, there was always like those chart your degree workshops. Let's Jumpstart. So Jumpstart, <laughs> so Jumpstart is an orientation program for residence students and commuter students, where it's sort of academic and social integrating academic. Like I believe the program does incorporate like faculty fellow, where you get to connect with a fa- faculty member, mm-hmm. and then the social component in which you're placed within like a cohort with upper year orientation leaders, and you just basically do a bunch of stuff together during first week. <laughs> Or yeah, the yeah. week before school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I think it's also, it's more commonly known as Frosh Week. Yes. other universities. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. so. <laughs> I'm really glad that you were able to draw upon what you learned from your Jumpstart experience. Because, honestly, after Jumpstart, everything <laughs> went in through one ear and out the other. And I didn't really <laughs> learn about, like, what resources um, that was available to me until second year when I entered wellness peers and we had to oh, start wow. referring other people to student resources so yeah kudos to you <laughs> I think that just goes to show that there are resources available to students but exactly yeah they just don't know they exist yet so it's hard to it's hard to navigate a system in which there's so much information yeah yeah that's true it's like not knowing wait I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like, it's like, like you don't know what you don't know kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Especially when you're in the student life and you're so sort of focused on the now and the school. It's so easy. I, I find that for myself. Sometimes it's so easy to push out sort of the things that you don't want to focus on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially with hustle culture and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I 
like even I'm sure okay UBC is a really really big school so I definitely can see how it can be intimidating to try to navigate mm-hmm. what resources UBC provides and I'm sure the same sentiment is also present at other campuses and uni- at other university campuses too yeah for sure so I know you said that you were maintaining ongoing communication with your arts advisor and mm-hmm. that if you could get a concession um you know that that was always an option. Did you ever go through with taking advantage of a concession? Um, so I think at the end of the term, I filed for a few participation marks. And I do remember that. So I had a midterm for Site 207. Yes. And I remember sort of being really tired the day before because I was at the hospital really late. And so I sent an email to to our professor saying sort of filing out the thing. But then usually in syllabi, there's like an outline about what you should do for academic concessions. Right. And so I tried to get a concession for that. But then I just sort of weighed out the options and benefits and costs because mm-hmm. it was such a high percentage. Like it was worth a lot and weighted a lot. I just ended up taking the exam for that, which... I don't know if it benefited. I did okay in the end, but <laughs> it was like stressful in the moment. I mean, at least you're you're able to say that like in hindsight, it went okay. And you were still yeah. able to balance, you know, visiting your grandpa in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But in the end, it was, it was nice because it like made up for like a few missed marks. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I know that in like other situations, it could mean more. I wonder if there's a component to it where like people or students might be afraid to take a concession because like maybe they don't know if they, I don't know, if they've earned it or mm-hmm. deserve it. I mean, like I've never submitted, filed for a concession yet, mm-hmm. but I wonder if that's, yeah, I wonder if it's difficult for students to um, like ask for one. Yeah, I definitely think that just in general, asking for help can be so daunting. That's true. That is very true. So I just realized we've been using the word concession a lot, but I recognize that not everyone might be fully aware of the different types of concession. Do you want to define what a concession is and clarify the different types? Wellness recap. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I'm really bad at defining things, but I feel like academic concessions are kind of like exemptions or like a get out of jail free card from your academics in like different circumstances and like adverse circumstances. So like there, some could be like exemptions from an exam or sometimes you can withdraw or drop a course after deadlines and whatnot. I guess the most obvious one is also uh, being able to pass or fail all your courses at the end of, um, the 2020 <laughs> winter school year when pandemic the, the pandemic was so abrupt and no one saw it coming and it affected our grades. That yes. too? Yeah. 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 Um, Is it always, like, what do you need in order for a concession to be valid? Do you always need a note? Do you, wait, did you just explain that? <laughs> <laughs> I mentioned self-declaration form, but there's a bunch as well like notes like documentation sometimes okay okay well it's good to know that there's a variety of ways to get a concession and that there's no you can be going through something very different different from the student next to you and still be granted Mm -hmm. a concession so that is comforting to hear yes yes Yes, yes. And I know it's been a while since um, your grandpa has passed away, and I just wanted to check mm-hmm. in. How are you doing today? I honestly am doing okay. Yeah. I had work this morning, so I'm kind of groggy because mm-hmm. I came home after I took a shower. I was in bed watching TV, so I kind of almost took a nap before this. <laughs> okay, yeah. But- yeah, I submitted a paper last night that was a big stressor and I was finally done with. Now it's almost the holidays. So, yeah. How are you doing? Well, I'm 
I'm, uh, thank you for that update. Um, and thanks for asking me. I'm doing okay. Um, you know me, just uh, dealing with the everyday concussion headaches. But honestly, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this week, I've been seeing a lot of improvement. It's definitely not a linear um, progression in terms of improving and getting healthier. But that's yeah. okay, because not all progress is linear. And just to um, respond to your your day from work, you work in retail and I went to the mall today and <laughs> bruh, it was insane. It was so packed. And I think. But isn't Toronto in lockdown? Uh, it's locked down. We're going in lockdown on Monday. So oh, I think everyone's okay, trying okay. to get the shopping in beforehand. But you're also like low key in lockdown too. So yeah, it's can- like low key. It's like lockdown social gathering, but everything like business wise is still going on. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure that you must be very tired considering like wasn't Black Friday like on Friday? Like No, Black Friday is next week. <gasps> no way. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they're they have an early <laughs> discounts or whatever. Yeah. Anyways, holidays <laughs> are definitely coming up, so I'm sure you're definitely busy more than usual during your work shifts these days. I sometimes am, but sometimes I just hide out in the back. Yeah. We love that. <laughs> yeah. But we sometimes it is nice to like talk to customers. Mm-hmm. Especially when I don't really see anyone on the daily. <laughs> oh yeah, I yeah, I agree. I feel like before the pandemic, I would usually like when I go into a store, I would try <laughs> to avoid all the associates because I just don't like talking to anyone <laughs> when I'm shopping. But like ever since like COVID and like Ever since I've been de- deprived of like social connection, like I'm having like these full on conversations with them, and I've never felt <laughs> like more alive. So, yeah, exactly. I'm glad that you're able to um, pull on that, draw some social energy from your customers, and I'm also glad that you are able to relax with some TV. I also want to thank you for being vulnerable and sharing your story of your grandfather. I know talking about loved ones passing is never easy so once again thank you for being vulnerable thank you for having me to being able to be vulnerable does that make sense (laughs) yes yes i understood (laughs) yeah okay so um since this episode is not only about finding your support system which i think we've exemplified in depth I would like to talk about how do we support others going through their own setback stories? How do we be a supportive figure? In other words, how do we be a wellness period, Kathy? <laughs> you <laughs> <was> have... <laughs> I think that it's just characteristic traits, Chelsea. C'est quoi? It's not like it's not the whole role you take those characteristics that you gain from the role and then you transfer them into your life (laughs) okay 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 yes yes okay I agree honestly I think like I feel like wellness peers has definitely shaped my character um Mm -hmm. but I just emphasize wellness peer because you are a veteran wellness peer, and that is why I picked you. So, how do we support people going through setbacks on their own, especially if we might not be able to relate sometimes? Yeah, I think that's a really good point to raise because it's a whole topic that we can discuss right now. So, I think that I think that the first step is sort of the person who would maybe need more additional support and sort of that process of reaching out because you can't, because you could try to reach out, but it is also dependent on sort of their vulnerability. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. 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 That's a tough one, especially with like, we'd like to think that we ourselves have a good radar and know when people need help, but we definitely have to be cognizant of like other people's boundaries and respecting like when they aren't ready to seek help yet. So I like how you raise that point that we can't support people experiencing a setback unless they reach out to us. And I think that we, 
you could facilitate that matter sort of like in the form of like checking in and being like oh yeah. like, how are you really doing because I think that like sometimes people draw this sort of connection between how are you as a simple like everyday thing like oh I'm good versus like, like how you- are you really yeah Pardon? yeah 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 I, w- I was just mimicking the classic like response to how are you oh I'm good how are you yeah exactly yeah yeah and and I love I love the idea of checking up on your friends and stuff Mm -hmm. um because maybe even though maybe if someone does continue to say i'm fine thanks how are you eventually when you make that a continued effort and habit of checking in on them maybe that will um i guess foster some trust and like eventually Mm -hmm. have that person open up to you eventually so yeah i love how you use the word facilitate um, because I think it's definitely possible to encourage people to be vulnerable. Yeah. Um, of course, out of from a coming from a place of care and concern for them and their well-being. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But if and when a person is vulnerable enough to open up to us about a setback, where do we go from there? Huh, that's a that's a good question because I think that sort of. The sort of the things that you could do to sort of facilitate this ongoing conversation is just being there to listen to them and being like, I'm really glad that you talked to me about this because validating can feel like validating could sort of ease someone's concerns about being like, Oh, should I, should I do this or should I not? Or, and so hearing that back and being, and knowing that someone cares could be like a really important feeling for someone oh yeah validation is huge and it's I didn't realize how so simple yet powerful it it is uh to implement until like wellness peer trainings Mm -hmm. and I think one most practical way of, of validating someone is to paraphrase what the person just told you another point that I want to make about paraphrasing a person's setback is that it? There's a lot of benefits. It first allows you to clarify if that is the setback that the person is trying to communicate, and mm-hmm. so that you can clarify any misunderstandings before moving forward. Um, what else? What else? Oh, I guess I love this benefit. It's it's the one that our supervisor always says. It gets it gets the person who you're trying to support reflect on their own setback. Mm-hmm. And more times than not, how do I phrase this? Like if a if let's say the student is trying to come up with their own solution and they said their solution, um, and then you paraphrase the solution and they're like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. I never really <laughs> thought about that. Um, when in reality you like all we did was just paraphrase like what they said. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also similar to Kind of like when you're editing an essay and you're so, sorry, when you're typing an essay and and you're like so into it that even when you re- reread your, your essay over and over again, like you can't catch any mistakes or you can't like really, I don't know, evaluate it objectively. But like when you've taken a few days off from your essay and then you come back to it with like a fresh mind, you're able to finally like see what your past, your former self two days ago was trying to say. Does that make sense? Yeah, is that a good yeah it does. It does. It's yeah. like also giving like a friend your paper and being like, what do you think the thesis is? Yeah, yeah. It's like a test, a little test. <laughs> so once you've established what the person's setback actually is, how do you move forward and navigate the conversation? Um, yeah, I think it's something that is all ve- also very like situation dependent but also mm-hmm. just outlining like that you're there. And sometimes it could be useful to sort of ask them what kind of support that they need. Like a question that I usually like to use in the conversations that we have in the center is kind of like, oh, what kind of resources or kind of support, what kinds of support do you need right now? Like, do you need professional or do you need like peer or additional or what else? Yeah. Right, right. And meeting them in the middle. Yes, meeting them where they're at. Because yes. not everyone's ready to take like 
unnecessary, like big leap. Like it's more comfortable, obviously, to be in your comfort zone. You know. Yeah, sometimes people think that it's best to redirect the person to you know professional resources such as counseling or therapy but sometimes those professional resources can seem daunting especially to Mm -hmm. a person who's never used them before so oh and also sometimes it's not always accessible good point people because Mm -hmm. counseling can be super expensive per hour or there are like language barriers between what a person would prefer to sort of communicate mm. or, or even stigma exactly or even just like structural barriers within the system like during now if you wanted to see someone in person that might be limited because of covid yeah um, yeah yeah that's a good point and even i'm assuming that the majority of our audience is going to be students um even if a student has student insurance, usually that coverage isn't isn't the most generous. So mm-hmm. you're definitely right in that it's not the most accessible. But the good thing is that there are other alternatives that are cheaper and more accessible, such as, you know, just talking to your friend and ranting. Because even though you're not, like, actively working on something, like, I don't know, with a trained counselor like mm-hmm. getting like all your worries and concerns and thoughts of your setback out of your system is definitely helpful too and just having someone being present with you is also for me it definitely works um i'm sure it works for other people just you know getting out of your system mm-hmm. so i think we're nearing the end of our episode and i don't want to keep you much any longer much any longer i don't want to keep you any longer considering final season is coming up and you're taking a full course load and you're working and you're volunteering um and you probably have to uh get cracking on some assignments so (laughs) once again i want to say thank you so so much for taking the time to come on to the show today and talking about some hard things because i know it's not easy to talk about setbacks especially when it can be emotional so thank you kathy thank you for being my friend Oh, no, thank you. No, you. you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, No, yeah, thank you for having me. It's been fun. It was like a nice chat. This was fun. I hope it served as a nice um, break from your studies. Yes, for sure. Are there any any shout-outs or plugs you want to mention? We we discussed this on our group chat, but Chelsea and I want to shout-out to Megan. (laughs) Do you want to explain Megan. who Megan is? <laughs> oh, okay, okay, I guess so. Uh, yeah, Megan is our um, is an is another fellow wellness peer, um, who we've informed about this episode, and I'm pretty sure she's going to be the first listener. So, <laughs> Megan, if you're listening, uh, we miss you oh so dearly, and we appreciate you being probably the first listener. In addition to Megan, I would also like to shout out another fellow wellness peer, Lauren. Honestly, without her, this podcast would probably not exist because the reason why I started this podcast was because of her podcast. And the reason why she started her podcast was because of the Wellness Peers program. So thank you to Wellness Peers and thank you to Lauren. And thank you to Kathy. Okay. Thanks. (laughs) Okay, bye. (laughs) Take care. Be safe. Wash hands. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Kathy. It was a lot of fun recording with a guest this time instead of just talking to myself. But before you leave, here are today's takeaways. Number one, reaching out for help is a courageous act because it can be intimidating at first. Give yourself credit where it's due. Number two, seeking a support system who can understand what you are going through goes a long way. This support system can be the closest people in your life, like friends and family, or even strangers, like online support groups. Number three, help is out there. You might just have to do some digging and navigate the resources that are accessible to you. Number four, if you're unsure of where to start when supporting another person during their setback, try paraphrasing their concerns to validate them. Number five, meet them where they're at. Work with a person to create a game plan by asking them what they think they need. Number six, if you suspect someone might need support, Check in with them regularly and let them know that you are ready to listen when they are ready to share. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Setback Stories. 
We're always looking for new topics and guests to bring on the show, and we'd love to hear from you. Feel free to DM us on Instagram at setbackstories or email us at setbackstories at gmail.com. Finally, we're seeking ways to grow and improve our podcasting game. If you can, please leave us a review. And of course, don't forget to subscribe so that you will never miss a bi-weekly episode from yours truly. I'd also like to give credits to my team, co-producer and co-writer Madison Wong, and technical producer and editor Kendra Tam. There's so much work that happens behind the scenes, and I can't thank you two enough. Till next time! But I think I'm supposed to thank you. <laughs> I think I'm supposed to thank you. I, mean, I know, I know. I think you're like 10 times the best of <laughs> uh,